I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode. Right, let me tell you about this one, right? When I set this podcast up, this was one of the ones I wanted. I was desperate to get uh, Gary Crowley. That's who I wanted. I might as well just say the name. I don't know why I'm being mysterious. You've already read the, the show notes. You know why you're here. I grew up listening to Gary on the uh, on the radio, uh, on X. Uh, I mean, the demo clash was was, was, was big for me. Uh, we used to go to the, the, the live shows that Gary used to put on. You'd pay like eight quid and you'd see like Popoli itself and EMF and god knows who else all on the side you see like three huge bands on like the same bill it was um it was so good and obviously you know i grew up watching the beat and and i it was just a real moment when uh, uh i i got an opportunity to sit down and, and and talk records with gary and and it's been lovely as well because you know that i'm a i'm a big 90s kid as well Gary's just released an amazing uh, compilation, uh, Gary Crowley's Indie 90s Playback. Um, it, it's kind of all your classics, there's some curveballs in there, a lot of bangers, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's great. I can't, I can't get excited enough about it. Um, but yeah, but go check out the, uh, the, the record. It's out now, 52 tracks, so go get stuck in. Uh, there's some absolute crackers. That's Gary Crowley's Indie 90s Playback. So... We have a long chat today. Um, you know Gary Crowley. He loves a natter. I love a natter. And we're talking about music. So you're in for a really, really lovely little chat today. Before we get on with it, a few thank yous. Thank you to the official sponsor of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. That's Hotel Chocolat. Those people that make that uh, scrumptious chocolate. Not only do they make chocolate, um, they make hot chocolate. So should you walk past one of their stores, grab a hot chocolate. They're really, really good. But it's getting near Christmas and uh, if you want to get something nice, I mean, get a Hotel Chocolat uh, Advent Calendar. They're pretty decent. But it's their alcohol range. Their, I mean, and essentially, I'm going to go on about their creamy shots because you can get an orange chocolate, uh, mint chocolate, uh, salted caramel, and a espresso martini. And they're all amazing. It's a very kind of Christmassy, nice kind of creamy drink. So uh, go check them out. And I'm not just banging on about that because they sponsor the podcast. They send me them for free. So uh, I've got a few in my fridge. And uh, honestly, it is really, really nice. So that's Hotel Chocolate, the official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track. A few other thank yous. Thank yous to uh, Mr. Scroobius Pip. 
uh, my homie and uh, he of the Distraction Pieces podcast and obviously the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Uh, huge love to the uh, Blue Murder Club team that produced this podcast. Thank you to them. If you like your true crime podcast, go check that podcast out because it's a cracker. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Come in, take your shoes off. Uh, it's a very welcome place. This you're very late to the party. Uh, I've done 450 of these chats already. So when you get to the end of today's natter with Gary, go and explore that back catalogue because you've missed you've missed some cracking natters. I mean, we talk about John Kennedy. We talk about the wonder stuff on on this uh, episode, and and both. I mean, John's been on twice. Uh, and Miles has been on from the Wonder Stuff, and they've both been uh, amazing uh, conversations. And and if you like 90s indie, then I've had a lot of uh, those people on, from Suede through to, blimey, uh, Jim Bob from Carter, um, James from EMF, Keyboard Breaker, Ian Baker, former XFM DJ, obviously, as well, um, from Jesus Jones, um, gosh, who else have I had? It's a real who's who uh, of I've had Ocean Colour scene. Oh, my brain's thrown a blank, but basically any band you listen to in the nineties, I've pretty much had them on, and uh, and had a delightful chat with them. Uh, speaking of which, I've got Blur coming soon. There's an exclusive for you. Sitting down with one of the guys from Blur. Which one? I wonder. Uh, so that's coming soon. But yeah, and also I've had loads of kind of um, big rock stars. I've had the Foo Fighters, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Gavin Rosdale of Bush recently uh, sat down with Everclear and Soul Asylum last week. I think the episodes might be out by now. Gosh, Fat Boy Slim. And if you like your actors, then uh, I've had some incredible actors on. I've been so lucky to have what I think, you know, uh, the cream of some of the 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 the, the more some of the, the I'd say the cream of the, the sort of British acting scene of the last 20 years uh, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgoose, Michael Smiley uh, the list goes on but I've been really blessed to sit down with them, all of them have got great tasty music and have some really lovely natters with them about their favourite records and their careers right I'm going to take a breath um, and just get on with it, please go check out that back catalogue, if you want to support the podcast in any other way, give us a like, love, share or just nudge your mate and tell him about this podcast from this this old bloke from Essex has got a lisp um, that bangs on about music uh, a little bit too excitedly. Uh, tell him about that. And and if you want to support the podcast, I have a Patreon where you can listen to my radio shows and, and you can watch all the episodes as well over there and get loads of other content. And that's a dollar a month. So that works out about 20p a week. And uh, you can find out about that and everything else at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, let's get on with it. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful... Gary Crowley. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Gary Crowley, how are you today? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much for asking. All good, all good. The sun's out. All is good. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you've already been moaning at me, uh, telling me that <laughs> it's been it's been a real bit to try and. Uh... <laughs> so tell me, so have you found it tough picking this? I mean, obviously, you know, your whole career has been immersed in 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 music. So to kind of pick tunes, how tough was it? Oh, 
Absolutely. I think I think you reached out about a week ago. And um, I mean, I don't want to make you feel bad, Stu, but honestly, I've hardly slept over the uh, last <laughs> seven nights. But yeah, because you, you're constantly, constantly going over um, your answers. And, um, you know, to use a popular um, phrase back in the 80s, um, you know, remixing them, uh, basically. So um, it has been um, you know, quite quite a tough task, really, because, um, you know, these are important questions. And, um, you know, I want to be uh, as honest as I can be as far as the answers are concerned. But I'm pretty happy. I think I'm pretty happy with, with, uh, with, with what I've come up with today. I think so. It says Wonderful. here. Wonderful. Well, I've been wanting to have this chat for a long time, Gary, and uh, and I'm go- I'm going to get this little bit of fandom out of the way already. All right, so I'm going to get it out <laughs> of the way before we crack on, right? So I I mean we'll we'll talk about obviously the, the things that you've done, but um, I was a big fan of, of of a lot of what you was doing in in, in radio as a, as a, as a young lad, and that ties in with the the the, the recent release. Um, and I was in a, a an indie band in the in the mid nineties, and we was managed by Ricky Gervais, and uh, and. Ricky, um, I took my demo of my new band in to see Ricky at XFM in Charlotte Street. And I remember sitting there and there was like a room in, in Charlotte Street. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you will, Gary. But And there was like a couple of stereos in there. And uh, and I don't know. It wasn't like a studio. It was like some kind of like, I don't know, where, where, where people would just sort of hang out and stuff. And I went in there with Ricky to play in my demo. And and I was sitting there chatting to him, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I really like that. And I was looking straight past him, and I was nudging my mate, and I went, fucking hell, Gary Crowley's tapping his foot to our demo. And like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the crowning glory, mate. You was tapping your foot to me demo back in 1996, I think, or 97, can't remember. <laughs> so what, did he take on managing you then after you coming into Charlotte Street and playing it to No, him? no, he managed my previous band and oh. uh, and and then basically uh, I'd got a new band and he was like, bring it up, let's have a listen to what you're up to. And so I popped in and, and obviously the, the station hadn't been going that long and uh, and I was obviously very keen to go in and have a little look about anyway. And uh, and yeah, so I sat there and you uh, was... He was Away with like a little notepad and, and pen, but you was tapping your foot to me demo, so uh, that was it. Oh, my, my, day, <laughs> my day was made, mate. It really was. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny thinking back to um to to that time, um you know that year at, at XFM because um I don't know whether you've seen the documentary. I, um, I'm I'm really good friends with a fellow called Jim Benner, who I'm sure you know. Yeah, we love Jim Benner. And, yeah, uh, and and um yeah, he's he's one of the one of the real good guys. He's Jim, and uh, and he sent me the, the 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 trailer for it, and I was like, oh my god, I need to see this, and I've not got around to seeing it yet it looks phenomenal well get him to send you a link for it i think it's up there on um on amazon and um you know some of the other platforms but um it is very very good um it it it, it, it it's a reminder of um uh, of an exciting time i think as far as um as far as uh, as music is concerned and uh also you know that that first year, which, which you know, to, to quote that old Dickens line, really was the best of times and also the the, the worst of times. But uh, you know, the, the the positives though were, um, you know, for, um, for 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 pretty much just under a year. You know, the lunatics were uh, were running the the, the, the asylum, and and um, you know, but 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 the flip side of that is that um, you know all that 
sort of hope for the for, for, for the radio station and um you know that kind of terrific group of people um you know unfortunately it all sort of imploded and um you know a radio group ended up owning it that um you know was um you know i don't think was in the uh, the, the original kind of um, plan really but um but, but like i said there were lots of, of 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 you know really good positives about it and um you know when i think about you know some of those um that th- those other presenters you know whether it was eric hodge doing the um you know the the, the breakfast show Claire after me, if I uh, remember correctly, Ian Canfield um, on drive time. And then I think it was either lovely John Kennedy first, but it might have been Keith Cameron, Mm. the writer who was doing the kind of early evening show. And then maybe John sort of did, 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 did the later, the later slot. But I just remember, you know, having the station on all the time at home and, 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 you know, just kind of, buzzing really of, of of what I was hearing and um you know um sort of furiously writing down if if, if I heard John play something or, or 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 you know Keith played something that that I wanted to sort of play on on my program um so um yeah a, a lot of kind of very very positive memories I mean when I think back um Stu to, to to the um to the playlist meetings. I mean, Jesus, I wish somebody had been filming um these <laughs> because those were absolutely kind of surreal, but 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 so much, so much fun. And of course, you know, this was all sort of pre-mobile phones, really, apart from those massive brick ones that yeah. maybe Chris Harry had who who um who kind of you know was the overall you know boss sammy might have had one as well but uh, certainly none of the minions like us um, had one of those so uh yeah i mean there's a few photos kind of flying around but but just you know generally overall for, for me to be presenting a, a mid-morning program where you know i not only had an influence as far as um you know the playlist was concerned um you know all of the the, the, the daytime radio presenters and and evening ones and occasionally some of the weekend ones as well would have a hand in choosing the records that made it onto the playlist. But of course you were given a lot of free choice as well. And um, it's a pity because obviously the station got off to, um, to, um, you know, um, a, 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 a very, um, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not, not an ideal start, obviously, because Princess Diana um, sadly had passed away. Um, I think on the Sunday morning the, before the Monday that the station had launched. Mm. So, you know, there was a lot of expectation uh, because this was the final, uh, you know, the final um IRL license, I think, that had been allocated in London and was going to be so for for the next couple of years. So I think everybody was kind of expecting a bit of a ballyhoo about this. And um, it was a big deal that, that, um, you know, that, that London was getting its first, you know, alternative radio station. Um, And and, and long over the As a listener, Gary, it was so exciting. Yeah. And, and and honestly, you know, Stu, to be there in the in in the middle of it was was, was equally ex- exciting, and um, you know, so so we were expecting a bit of a ballyhoo that 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 Monday morning, and I think that um, you know, in the end, a Swedish film crew turned up, um, and I think that was um, you know, um, by default, they were meant to be going somewhere else. So you know, the station, which was. <laughs> 
expecting, you know, expecting to kind of be, um, you know, to, to, to be launched with, with, with a, an explosion uh, basically started with a bit of a whimper. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, 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 you know, slowly but surely, you know, I, I think we got the, um, the, the, the sound, um, you know, the vibe of, of the radio station right. It took a couple of um, radar figures, radar figures, you know, just in case anybody doesn't know who's listening to your podcast, Stu, uh, these kind of quarterly, um, you know, summaries of, of, of your audience figures, basically. And it, it started, you know, disappointingly, but it started to kind of build up. But, you know, slowly, I think after the third one, you know, some of the, um, you know, some of the, the, the backers for the um, for, for the investors for the station started to bottle it um, somewhat, and um, and 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 you know, and, and and then they started looking for uh, for a buyer, and um, you know that uh, original sort of template um, and, um, and and an idea for for, for, for the station, um, you know, started to be uh, you know kind of t- tinkled with, tinkered with, and um, you know it kind of sort of changed. But that 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 first year was so exciting i mean some of the guests that that, that that we had coming in you know there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of um support from a lot of the um you know the the bands the artists of the time which was really really important and obviously kind of welcomed and a lot of the record companies as well i think they wanted to see it work um and you know at the beginning we kind of sort of answered to to ourselves really um and um you know i i i think that's you know that that's been pretty rare yeah we've fast tracked gary i've got so much i want to want to go through and we, we've gone straight we've fast tracked straight to xfm <laughs> i'm gonna take you back and we let's get the playlist started and we'll we'll drop back in with your with, with your journey as and when we uh uh get it through these tracks so track one gary tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, mate. Well, this this has got to be one of the most, um, you know, the most sort of difficult um, questions to, to 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 answer because, um, you know, if you're a music fan, I mean, there's just absolutely, you know, there, 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 there's thousands out there in 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 the ether. I've decided to go with um, the Clash and um, White Man in Hammersmith Palais because they were such an important band for me and my pals when we got into them at the beginning of um, of 1977 I was very lucky I went to school in the center of um, of London and um, you know w- we would occasionally see people in bands kind of mooching around whether it was Edgware Road um, which was literally just along from where my school was there was a cafe there um, Stu called um, uh, the Metropolitan Cafe, which was a favourite port of call for um, for, for Joe Mick, um, Paul, and uh, and Topper. And then if you went down the other way of, of of the street that our school was situated on, Bell Street, was um, Listen Grove Dole Exchange, and you would occasionally see, you know, members of you know the Slits or or or, or the Modets kind of sort of mo- mooching around as well. So. Um, this song just just kind of takes me back to to 77 1978 it came out um it's just so evocative um i mean i, I you know I, I can get teary eyed listening to to, to to this and um 
you know, um, I mean, it starts with Mick kind of counting it in and, um, and, and, and it just sort of sums up that mood of, of, of that time. And for me, for me, you know, I wanted to kind of get involved. I was 15 in 1977. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later on, Stu, but I think subconsciously, even as a kid, I was kind of waiting for something like punk to kind of happen, you know, something that that, 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 that was going to be mine. And, um, you know, thank God it arrived. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know what? I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in on that now because... Uh, I'm I'm 49, and I and I kind of uh, when I was 15, I guess hip hop was happening, and and Acid House was happening, and and living in Essex, the M25 was just up the road. There was all sorts of big beaming lights coming from all over the place, and and I kind of missed that really. I didn't I didn't get stuck into to Acid House because I kind of I found the indie thing, and I was excited by that, and it was all a big melting pot at that point anyway. It was all kind of in the in in the same pot, but yes. And and I guess you know you look at hip hop and it's as that ethos is as it's as punk as fuck as anything that was happening in seventy seven, but I think we'd advanced a little bit more as as you know as culturally and and we wasn't as easily shocked you know, but the furore you see whenever you look back at seventy seven and it doesn't matter how many times I've watched Bill Grundy like you do still think, God that's a bit much. And like, and it, and it still seems shocking, which is ridiculous. But to have been fifteen at that point and caught all of that—what a brilliant age to have just caught that excitement! Uh, because at, at fifteen, like, that's the sweet spot in it, where like you're just finding yourself, you're just finding like your your tribe of mates, and you're just finding what really fires you up. And to get punk at that point, I'm jealous, mate. Well, you know, you, you, you've put it so well, Stu. You really, really have. And, and, and I, as, as I mentioned, you know, a little bit earlier, I think that subconsciously, you know, prior to sort of first starting reading about these bands in, in, in the NME towards the end of, uh, of 1976, I, I think that sort of subconscious, subconsciously I was waiting for something. Um, I kind of got the Beatle bug, Stu, as a kid in about 75, 76. There was a, um, a TV series called uh, All You Need Is Love. Fantastic um, history of pop um, TV series that was made by um, Tony Palmer. And there was this one edition that was completely devoted to the Beatles. And of course I'd heard of them before that. And, and I'd liked some of the solo records that, you know, Paul McCartney and, and, and Lennon had put out and, and George and Ringo as well. But when I saw that, that, that documentary, that, that really, really kind of blindsided me, absolutely hit me around the head with a mallet. And, and, and I was, Everything became about the Beatles for about uh, a year, two years. I mean, I used to, I used to have to bribe my. If there was anything on the TV about the Beatles, and there was a series of films that the BBC did, I think, if my memory serves me correctly, in 1976, I would bribe my brother and sister, um, you know, 20p or whatever, to, to keep quiet whilst they showed one of the Beatles films, and I would sit up next to the TV with my uh, my cassette radio, <laughs> recording the audio of it. Um, I think I've still got them somewhere. So, you know, you ever want me to sort of, you know, kind of do a chunk of help or a hard day's night for you? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 so through getting into the Beatles, you know, that, that made me go back even further. This is the thing that I love about music it, it is, you know, the journey 
basically. And, 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 you know, you listen to something like the Beatles and then it takes you back and, you know, whether it's the roots of rock and roll or whether it's, you know, the mods and rockers or, or the hippies. And then you start reading and, 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 and listening to, um, to, to, to all of that stuff. So, you know, when punk happened, you know, I, I, I quickly realised that, that, you know, this is for me, you know, this is the audience that, that, that they want. And, and, you know, the artists, you know, whether it was, you know, The Clash or The Buzzcocks or The Jam or, 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 or you know, The Slips, they were only a couple of years, a couple of years older. And, um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the kind of the outrage sort of side of 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 things um i mean i was never into the um into the the kind of negative side of of, of punk the nihilism if you like i think that's the word um you know I, I was always into the into the um you know the kind of creative side there were three words on the back of the um uh, some of your older listeners you will know this there were three le- uh, words on the back of the jams all around the world single direction reaction creation and and I, and i really kind of bought into that so you know the knock on effect for, for me was that i wanted to get involved in in, in some way as did my 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 school pals you know chris and, and dave and carl and um and and, and others so it was like well how are we going to get involved and and you know there seemed to be two obvious ways the obvious way was obviously to start a band and um you know we'd kind of sort of tried that about a year previous to that there was one guitar amongst 12 potential members so that got sort of sidelined but the other way was was about you know writing about um, music fanzines which was such a big big thing in 1976-1977. So that's what that that's what we decided to do. We had a really cool English teacher, Stu, called Dave Meaden, who was very, very encouraging. And he basically allowed us to to hijack our school magazine and kind of turn it into our punk fanzine. And you know, I mean, I did that.
and basically ring round, you know, the record companies, the PR people, and try and blag interviews, which I would, you know, dutifully do. But what we did work out very, very quickly, um, Stu, was that um, once we started going to gigs early summer 1977, we sussed out that if you got there at about five o'clock, so I'm talking about venues like the Marquee or the 100 Club, or the vortex. Um, we never got into the um, the, the Roxy. They wouldn't let us in there. We, we decided that if you got there at about five o'clock when a band was sound checking, you could invariably kind of let yourself in. And once the band saw us, met us, they were normally. I don't think I can't think of any instances when anyone, any band, was negative and told us to to do one. You know, everybody was kind of like. Who's this lot? You know, this bunch of school kids. And, um, you know, I'd have the cassette radio. I mean, it was a big old thing. It was like a small brief briefcase, really. <laughs> and, um, you know, we would um, we would sort of proceed to ask for an interview. Bless them. You know, Generation X, you know, The Jam, um, you know, the, the, the clap. All of them would, well, listen, hang around, stay in, stay with us, and then you can stay and watch the concert, you know. So... It really was, um, you know, it really was a very special time, really. And uh, and I think for me to kind of see, you know, that side of things and occasionally popping into record companies and picking up an album or, or, or a biography or something like that, I I, I, I kind of quickly decided that, that I wanted to, to, to do something within music. And then I got a job as an office boy for a record company and I was away. Wonderful. Wonderful. We'll we'll be picked back up on that, but I'm going to take you back for track two. Gary, tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Well, it's funny, Stu. My parents um, split up when when I was eight, my sister was six, and my brother was ten. And um, I've talked about this, this before, but I think pop music kind of became became my thing. You know, my brother had a group of pals um and and you know steve got into a in, into a few problems a little bit later nothing untoward but my brother was very good at picking things up and not putting them back um <laughs> my, 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 but my, my sister, bless her, was very, very popular. She had a group of uh, a group of girlfriends who, um, and they were all into their pop music. Soul music was kind of like their, their thing, really. And once they got a little bit older, you know, they were going to sort of clubs. But pop music for me, when I was about eight, nine years of age, kind of became my thing. So it was, you know, taping radio shows, taping songs onto my cassette. Um, it was buying um, pop magazines you know, watching wherever I I, I could sort of watch performances, Um, you know, so it was, um, oh God, just to get some of the the, the TV pop shows of the time Um, and anything and everything from the Geordie scene to to get it together till a little bit later, Mark Boland's um, Tea Time pop show was absolutely fantastic. You'd also get the occasional performance on things like Magpie and um, Blue Peter. But Slade... You've got quite an obsessive personality gary like do you like if you if you find a band or or a scene are you like in with both feet definitely i mean you know what one of the things that um i think you know in in hindsight where i was really really lucky was that you know through this kind of love for for you know people like joe strummer paul weller terry hall from the specials you know 
I wanted to sort of know, you know, what, what they were listening to, what they were reading to, where they were buying their clothes. So, you know, again, it sort of goes back to that to that sort of sense of of, of journey that, um, you know, pop music and your love of pop music can kind of take take you on. Um, Slade were one of the kind of first bands that really kind of resonated with me. I mean, they, 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 they were so popular. At, at school and um you know i i, I mean I, I i love noddy's voice i mean you know that the, 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 they they were a hit making machine and 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 this song which is like one of the latest um latest singles that they um wrote i mean i must have been about 11 or 12 i'm guessing when um every day came out and that's the song that i've chosen Stu. um it's but, a beauty but, isn't it it really is. It, it, it's got a lovely kind of melancholic sort of um, vibe underpinning um, the whole thing. And, um, you know, it's um, it's a love song. Listen, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was um, 17, 18 years, years of age. But um, but this song just just really, really sort of connected. So, um, yeah, Slade were very, very special. Um, for me, very special, and it's lovely actually because I, I got to interview Noddy a few times over the years, and uh, it's always nice to be able to say to someone, you know, I'm telling you, you know, you, you're, you, you know, you, you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. But your band, you know, really, really sort of t- touched my life. Yeah, it's, and, and, and you know what? It's It's... For, for, for younger listeners that uh, to this podcast that may not be particularly aware of of Slade's back catalogue, like you know, and, and are just known in your household for the Christmas song, go and have yeah. a deep dig because there's so much amazing music. I think Noel Gallagher summed them up perfectly. I, years and years ago, I seen an interview with him, and he was like, "Yeah, they make tunes for fucking geezers, but they look like fucking diddy men." And I just thought. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> that, that, it, 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 it's very good with the um, with the <laughs> descriptions, uh, Noel. But um, 
But yeah, I mean, but but the girls also liked them, though. I mean, I can remember, you know, the girls at my primary school uh, liking them. Sue, my 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 sister, you know, my favourite w- w- was Noddy because you know that voice. I mean, it just sounds like he's been gargling with with razor blades. Sue always fancied um, Jim Lee, who was the um, you know the 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 the, the, the bass player um, in in the band. And um, it's impossible, yeah. Gary. When I look back now. To not see it as Vic and Bob, though. I can't yes. not see them like that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. But, but, but like I said, listen, Stu, I'm of an age where, 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 where I, 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 I can remember, you know, that them sort of exploded onto, um, on, onto you know, Supersonic or, you know, whatever. Well, they were boot boys first, weren't they? What's that? They were more like boot boys at first, weren't they? they... Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They, 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 yeah, a skinhead band, mm. I think, essentially. that That's the audience that they went for. And then they kind of, you know, evolved into this, you know, for want of a better better term, this kind of sort of, you know, version of glam, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, again, you know, very, very lucky thinking back to that time, you know, that kind of early 70s time, because it was, uh, listen, even with this new compilation that 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 that, that I've done, um, you know, I've always been a fan of pop music, you know, and 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 um, if, if if there's a great pop record on the radio, whether it's Taylor Swift or whether it's you know Arctic Monkeys or or whoever, you know, if it kind of resonates, if it hits with me, I'm I'm not a snob about it. I'm not a snob about it, and I never have been really. And um, you know, so um, you know that 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 that's sort of something that that's always, always sort of remained w- with me. And um, it's funny, you know, thinking about these choices because there is a little bit of a seventies tinge mm. to um, to some of these for you, Stu. But you know, that was the decade that kind of you know make of th- th- this man really. So um, you know that 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 you know. That's what you've got, I'm afraid. Tell me the track that reminds you of your time at school, please, Gary. Well, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier on, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I could have been, um, you know, at a better school. Really, it's funny, Stu. I, I went a couple of Fridays ago to um, to an old school pal of mine, a lovely fella called Mark Ely, who's um, done, you know, some amazing stuff with. Um, um, as far as you know, teaching kids and 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 dance, especially over in West London, not too far from where I live, uh, the Portobello Dance School, I think it's called. And um, you know, th- 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 this evening that me and my other half went to was basically um, you know celebrating Mark and his sort of influence, his achievements. And Danny St. Jo- um, Danny St. Jules was also there, who also used to go to my school. And um, you know, a, a lot of your um, a lot of your um, you know listeners will, of course, know him through um, Red Dwarf, and also oh, what's it called? The the, the one set out the the um, detective series, Stu, set out in the Caribbean. Is it Death in Paradise? It is, yeah. And he's a lovely, lovely lad. But it's funny. So we did a little bit of shtick on stage, stage together, the three of us, and 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 it, and it just sort of suddenly dawned on me that our school, which was called Rutherford, it's now called something else now. It's just behind Edgware Road, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on. But it was a little bit of a fame academy in, it, in its own way because 
you know, you, you had Mark and, and Danny there. Phil Daniels, the actor, also went there. Um, Courtney Pine, um, the saxophonist, also went there. It was a wonderfully eclectic, you know, di diverse mix of school kids from different backgrounds, you know, because I grew up on the um, Listen Green estate and um, a lot of my school pals would have grown up on the avenues just off Harrow Road. So, you know, we were all bringing in sort of different records and, 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 and different music. And especially I remember when punk happened, you know, we had a common room then because we would have been in the fifth year or sixth year then. So it was kind of like, you know, me trying to get, you know, my my records played and, and you know, my schoolmates playing, you know, the latest, I don't know, Bob Marley or, or dub album or, or, or something like that. But I wouldn't have had it anyway. It, it, it was such a good, it was such a good time. But the song that I've chosen is um, Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back In Town because, you know, pre-punk, Thin Lizzy, Quo even, you know, people forget, you know, Quo were kind of cool in, 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 in 1974, 1975. And, um, you know... Um, Dan Dan's a stone-cold killer, mate. It is. It really, really is. And, um, yes, in fact, I think Rain by um by, by quo um and it's not the cover of the beatles song it is a song called called um called rain was one of the first records that i can actually remember buying i mean as i mentioned a little bit earlier on Stu, money was a bit tight growing up so that trusty cassette radio um, machine and also the transistor radio that my auntie bless her bought for myself i got one my sister got one and my brother got one um and they were red yellow and blue i had the yellow one but th th those things were, were just so important you know as far as um you know what we were listening to um you know and 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 you know the cassette radio i couldn't afford to to, to buy a lot of records at, at, at that time you know very very few really so it was a case of you know, taping off the radio. So, um, you know, that's what that's what we would do. You know, we'd listen to the chart rundown on a Sunday night. Um, um, Tom Brown, I think, was the uh, was the presenter. And even a little bit later, you know, when you know my taste my my taste kind of moved, sort of you know spread outwards. You know, listening to Peely. You know, listening to you know Nicky Horn had a show in in London that, that that played a lot of good music as well called Your Mother Wouldn't Like It on Capital. Um, you know, those programs were really really important as far as um, you know, um, kind of um, yeah, sort of informing my my musical taste. I, I, I want to ask you. Um, I, I generally ask guests now about they don't know what they wanted to be when they were at school, and you you, you touched on it earlier you know, that you, you wanted to do something with your music and obviously you never quite settled on the, the, the guitarist of the 12 uh, and the one guitar. So, you know, writing becomes something. Um, and then you just mentioned all of those people that had been to your school that have all gone on to have successful careers in, in the arts. Um, and that whole time of punk being sort of very much entrenched in that DIY culture. And I know you said you weren't interested in the nihilism. It was more that kind of creative element of it. And with all of that... In mind, because for for me growing up in Essex, you know, I, I sort of look at around me and think, right, you know, I wanted to be a musician. Who 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 was successful from where I was? You know, was it possible coming from Essex? Could you be a, a successful musician coming from Essex? Um, 
but surrounded by the people you were surrounded by and, and the opportunities that were there and and you you know even saying like walking down the street you would see the slits or you know or you would see the clash and you know for me growing up in the 80s I was never going to bump into Duran Duran like you know and 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 so seeing all of that did it give you that kind of confidence that look I can do this like you know it's all around me and everybody's having a go and everyone seems to be doing all right here yes no, that, 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 that's a very, very important point, Joe. I think that, that have-a-go attitude was, was, was something that um, was, was, you know, one of the most important things for me about, you know, punk, new wave, you know, that time, the late 1970s. Um, and um, I think, you know, so many of us, um, you know, grabbed that and, 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 and ran with it, you know, whether it was, you know, pals of mine who, who did, did go on to, to, to form a band um, or, 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 or myself, you know, running the fan scene with, with, with a couple of pals, then deciding that, um, you know, that um, that I wanted to kind of work in music doing something. So um, I wrote to, um, I can remember, Stu, I wrote to all of the record companies at, at, at the time. I, I would have still have been at school and I got two in interviews um one was with this record label called red records who had offices on wigmore street and even when i walk past there now you know i've got a vivid memory of of going in there um the other one was decca records now decca in 1978 were probably probably the most uncoolest record label ever <laughs> um you know they'd had these glory days of the 1960s when they had Rolling Stones, and they put also distributed Motown records, and 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 you know so many other cool bands, Small Faces. Um, you know they had the DRAM label. The list goes on and on. Fast forward to nineteen seventy seven, and they've got the Smurfs. Um, they got you know Moody Boos. They're only eight with bands like Coxsparrow. Um, I wasn't really particularly a fan of Adam and the Ants. They did a one-off single with Young Parisians. But do you know what, Stu? I could not have, have, have chosen a better, a better first job because the offices were on Great Marlborough Street, number 18 Great Marlborough Street. Uh, the offices were on, I think it was the second floor, and it was the press and promotion department. The actual main offices, Stu, were down on um, Albert Embankment. Basically, Decca was still going because the um, the, the only reason why well, the organisation was still making money was because they had a thing called Decca Radar that made them an awful lot of money um, because it was used, you know, um, on ships all around the world. Also, I think, you know, Decca TVs and radios were still making a little bit of money, but the record company was basically, um, you know, gone to pop. But I was just working with a really, really interesting, very encouraging, um, you know, bunch of of, of, of people. And, and and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I loved getting the bus down from, from the estate that I lived in, down to Oxford Circus, jumping off the bus, walking past the London Palladium, onto Great Marlborough Street, walking along and, and, and going into work every day was an absolute, an absolute treat. And, and, and it was through that, actually, Stu, that, that, that 
I used to deliver records, not that anyone at the New Musical Express was waiting for any of these new releases from Decca, but I used to go to the NME's offices on Carnaby Street and deliver these packages. And there were these two lovely ladies called um, Val and Fiona who used to um, basically run the reception area and also do a lot of research for the, for the newspaper. And Danny Baker would have been on the reception. And, and, and anyway, what, one day I walked in there and, and, and Danny wasn't there um, that, that day. And, and Fiona said, look, Gary, Danny's going to work as a full-time staffer on the NME. Me and Val want you to, to replace him. Are you interested? And um, as if she needed to ask me if I was interested. I mean, you know, the NME for, for, for me, Stu, as a kid, um, you know, for a couple of years previous to that was everything. I mean, it really was the Bible. The way that we access music now, listen, you know, I'm not hankering for, 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 for those days because, of course, you know, progress is, 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 is you know, mostly, mostly good. Um, and, and, you know, you can, can sort of name check a, a, a Della Soul B-side or something and we can get it up on the phone in the space of, you know, 10, 15 seconds. But um, the enemy then was everything. You know, I would I would come into town on on a Thursday. This is even previous to getting that job at Decca Records, um, and 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 you know, kind of get there Thursday morning in order to buy the enemy and sounds and melody maker if I was particularly flush that week, and then you know getting it home and reading it and then reading it again and then going over it again and cutting out pictures and putting it on my bedroom wall. So to get a job there. Now, this is 79 now, Stu, 79. What a fantastic year. You know, you've had that amazing, you know, flurry, rush of punk in 1977. Then all this exciting post-punk stuff, 78, 79, 79. You've kind of got the mod revival thing going on, which I loved. The two-tone thing that, um, that, that was going on, which I loved. It, it's funny. Have you ever seen a Woody Allen film called Zelig? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, just in case your listeners haven't seen it, it's basically about this character who, if he's around, you know, somebody, maybe somebody from a different sort of nationality, ethnic background or something, he basically becomes, begins to look like them. I was a bit like that with teenage tribes. So I was, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was into everything, Stu. I mean, you know, within reason, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if I thought it was rubbish, I wasn't into it. But I was into most things or thought that there were good points about most things. Really, maybe not so much heavy metal, really. That never really did anything. Then again, I like Led Zeppelin, though. So, um, I mean, a, a Led Zeppelin, heavy metal, well, that's a discussion for, for another day. But, um, you know, so to be on that reception desk in 1979, um, you know, with you know, these amazing PR people, photographers, Penny Smith, Jill Fermanoski, the writers, Nick Kent, Charles Sean Murray, Tony Parsons, Julie Burchill. I thought I'd died and, 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 and kind of gone, gone to heaven. You know, it was, uh, it, it really was an amazing, amazing time. And, and there's one memory, there's one memory to do in particular. First day at work, Neil Spencer, who was the very, very cool kind of laid back editor, of the um, of the enemy in, in, in that year, nineteen seventy nine, called me into his office, welcomed me to to, to the newspaper, basically said, "Look, you're going to be the face of, uh, 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 of of the enemy, so you know you need to be kind of you know kind of polite, 
sort of thing and 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 you know you know listen i know you've got the enthusiasm for music and anyway he, he reached down un- underneath his desk stew and pulled out this really really cool kind of um dr martin soul perilothas so two-tone had exploded in 1979 he said oh by the way these don't fit me um you know i want you to have them and and i just remember coming home that day thinking is it going to be like this every day? You know? <laughs> it was just, you know, talk about the stuff of dreams. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Gary, tell me the first record you bought. Okay. So the first one that, that, that I can sort of physically remember, you know, parting money with um, is uh, Roxy Music and Both Ends Burning. I've got a vivid memory of standing in the queue with my sister um, um, buying our fruit and veg on a Saturday mid-morning, Church Street Market, and it was right opposite a record shop that was to play an important part in my life called Gilja's. Long gone, long gone now. Um, but we had a couple of good record shops around there where I lived, and and um, you know one of the 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 the, um, the the other ones that I spent a lot of time at would have been the Virgin store which was situated on marble arch and of course the rough trade shop which was over the first rough rough trade shop which was over on kensington park road so those were my kind of sort of choices of record emporiums but um yeah just got a vivid memory of being in the queue buying fruit and veg and 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 they had a stall outside the record shop gil jays and you know they put both ends burning on and i liked roxy i liked brian ferry and um, I just remember sort of hearing that and, you know, my ears kind of pricking up and um, I had the money in my pocket at, at, at the time. I think it was about 75 pence or something. I was trying to think about how much a single would have cost back in the mid 1970s. And, um, and and I said to my, my sister, Sue, I said, listen, you take the, the stuff back home. I'm going to go and buy this record. Love this. So that would have been the first one. Did you um did you get managed to go and see Roxy the other week? No, 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 I didn't, unfortunately. And 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 um, you know, just gathering on what you know I've seen people posting on on social media, it's been um it's been mostly mostly, you know, very, very positive. Mm. So yeah, a little bit of a regret there. Don't suppose there's gonna be too many chances to Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. See them in the future. Absolutely. I mean, it's a stupid question asking you, Gary, how important, you know, record shops were, you know, in the formative years of, of... of of you as a, as as a person and obviously as you know as being a key part of you know crate digging for your career you know um tell me some sort of tell me like in that, those early days moving forwards a little bit into to the sort of like the the the, the late eighties and the early nineties where was your record shop in them well it would have been it would have been sort of you know, kind of here, there, and and, and everywhere, really. I mean, um, at this point, as you getting sent vinyl and stuff, I presume well, you've been sent a lot. I, I, I would have been, Stu. So yeah, fast forward to you know the late eighties, early nineties. I would have been spoiled, really, mm. if the truth uh, if the truth be known, because I started on the radio at the beginning of nineteen eighty two, and um, you know very very quickly um much to my dad's blessing annoyance you know so much stuff used to come you know to 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 the flat um and um i mean it's funny actually i was telling somebody about this the other day we were one of the last people that i knew who had an actual physical phone in 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 our flat on this estate in listen grove and um you know, I had to beg my father to let me have the phone. You know, he was adamant. I don't want a phone. I don't want people ringing up knowing my business. My <laughs> dad was of old school. And I said, look, Dad, Capital Radio has said that I have to have a phone, you know, just in case, you know, last minute calls, yada, yada, yada. And then, no, 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 it's not going to happen. No, 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 change the subject. No, not going to happen. And then the thing that got it, got him, that swayed it for him, I said, Dad, Capital have said that they'll pay for it. And then <laughs> he changed his mind. Funny that. He, he, he changed his mind. But, um, yeah, so, so literally, you know, as soon as I've been on air for, um, you know, a few weeks, a month, um, you know, I, I was so spoiled. I mean, you know, so much stuff kind of sent sent my way. And, um, and, 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 and that has kind of continued in, in in a way to really right up to um you know r- r- right up to um up to now but um you know um as far as kind of records are concerned at that time late 80s early 90s i was probably still only having to kind of buy you know the oldies that mm. that, that i once wanted so you know um the record and tape exchanges yeah which were kind of scattered around um, around London. I think there's still a few. There's still a few kind of um, you know st- still with us. So um, you know those all would have been um, you know very very um, important. I mean I was very very lucky. You know that kind of period in in time. You know I had a girlfriend who was living out in Los Angeles. So you know I'd sort of go out and 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 see her occasionally and um, you know bring back stuff as well but um it it, 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 it's it's funny with with vinyl Stu I I I made I made a conscious decision I think when I was about 
14, 15, I made a conscious decision that um, when I got into the Beatles, I, I knew that I was not going to be able to, um, you know, to afford to buy everything, you know, because it was just this kind of never ending bottomless pit, if you yeah. like. And, and, and so, you know, I, I, I've never been a vinyl junkie. It, it, it's funny because, you know, one of my best pals is a, is a lovely lad called um, Jim Lahat, who I met through working on um, the show that I presented um, back in the nineties on GLR. And in fact, Jim, also came over to um to, to xfm and and we're working on a on, on a project at, at the moment it's going to be another gc punk and new wave compilation and we're all we've almost finished it and 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 you know i think that that these have worked because you know i'm kind of bringing to the party what i remember you know and 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 you know maybe you know, the, the artists were a little bit more populist, if you like, but not the obvious tracks, you know. So it will be a B-side. It will be an, an album track that maybe I thought, you know, should have could could have easily have been a single. Whereas Jim is the vinyl head. Yeah. I mean, you know, J J Jim's kind of got this kind of record collection. I mean, I, I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess as far as um uh, as far as um you know what the worth of it is concerned but but like i said so you know i think i made that kind of decision sort of very early listen i've still got a room full of um you know my my, my kind of favorite stuff but um you know I'm, I'm i'm not a kind of die hard you know kind of crate digger who who, who sort of you know gets you know, the theremins get going, you know, because of the smell of vinyl or anything yeah. like, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, whereas Jim, you know, Jim really is, you know, you look up the definition of, um, of, of vinyl junkie and, and his picture should probably, you know, kind of pop up. Well, for the next question, Gary, where we talk about clubbing, um, the, new, the new compilation, uh, let's talk about that now, because for me, that's, that's my clubbing. Like so, I don't know if you know, but um, I've run a venue and 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 DJed a venue for for thirty years. I run a venue called the Pink Toothbrush in Rayleigh, and uh, and well, you, history, isn't it? That building, it yeah, has yeah. It used to be called Crocs, and and uh, the aforementioned Danny Baker come down and made a a, a big feature for the six o'clock show, interviewing Depeche Mode, and uh, and 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 seeing the alligator that wasn't actually we did have a, an alligator. It wasn't a crocodile that was in the club. It wasn't actual alligator, um, but yeah, so. For me, I mean, I just look at the new compilation, Gary, and and, and you've you've kindly sent me the uh, a sampler of it, and and the opening track is "A Wish Away" by the Wonder Stuff, which yeah. you talk about pop music, right? And I now want to just—I mean, I've, I've been lucky; I've had Miles on this show. Um, I think Miles Hunt is one of the most underrated pop songwriters in history. You grab the best of the Wonder Stuff, or any of them. One, two, three, three albums. They're all absolute stone cold pop classics. Like yeah. absolute. I, I think he's so underrated, and and I'm. I love to see this kind of period of. I mean, it it, it goes throughout um the the nineties as as well. But there's a thing, Gary. That and and we used to come to lots of your gigs where you'd you know you pay about eight quid and you'd see like three like absolute banging bands on one night and and what music history looks back not very fondly i think 
and I don't know why, it skips 1990 to 1992. It's like Manchester happened, and it was super exciting, and then we go straight to Seattle in 1992, and then we come back to England in 1995. It's like, whoa, what about Carter... The Wonder Stuff, Ned's Atomic Dust Pop. What about Jesus Jones? What about EMF that had number ones in America? You know, yes. like, what, what, what what happened? You know, and I just, I find that, that that scene was, as I mean, I'm, I'm probably looking back on it so funny because it was probably when I was sort of 16, 17, and it was, was so exciting for me. But I do think there was some incredible music like being put out by British bands that, do you know what I'm saying? When it kind of gets yes. forgotten that 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 kind yeah. of period, I I I I think the um I think sometimes Stu, I don't know what you think, but sometimes I think um you know a bit of distance, you know, does give us time to 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 sort of you know kind of look back and 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 appraise. I mean, th- th- this compilation, this indie '90s playback, um, free CD compilation that I've done was always in the back of my head. Stu, when um, I did the very first punk and new wave compilation, and then I did the Lost Eighties one, and this was the obvious kind of follow up because um, I, I I do have a have a, a fondness for this um, for, for for this time. Um, you know, I, I was having a great time as far as um, you know what I was uh, the people that I was working with um, on, on the radio um, shows. Um, you know, a couple of really really you know, n- n- nice guys who, who I work with, lovely fella called Tony Smith, who, um, you know, later went on to start Deceptive with Steve Lamack and Alan James. In fact, Tony Smith is is all over this compilation because it was Tony who actually came up with the idea for a feature that was associated with that GLR show called The Demo Clash. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we couldn't invite bands in to do sessions because there just wasn't, the, the, the money, um, you know, not really the facilities at the time. And, and Tony said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Every band has got a demo cassette. What we'll do is we'll ask them to send in, you know, their two or three favorite tracks. We'll each take turns to, to listen to these um, to, 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 to these bags of cassettes. And honestly, Stu, it, 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 you know, they came in. In, in these kind of royal male sacks, it, 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 you know, and that that kind of went on for for a, for a couple of years, and that 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 was Tony's idea. But but yeah, I mean, I I remember the the nineties myself as you know a bit like the eighties in a way, really, you know, very eclectic, you know, very diverse. Um, so a, as you mentioned, you know, the late eighties. Um, you know, you had the stuffies and, 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 you know, you had that sort of, you know, the first Stone Roses album, which was a game changer, you know, Manchester. And again, as you said, and then this kind of wave of, you know, kind of grungy, punky American bands, um, you know, then Suede, of course. Suede's the game changer. I think yeah. Suede's, Suede's the kind of thing that I remember, like, um, being very much excited by uh, and, and being, I guess most of my listening at that point probably was lots of the, the American things. I got really involved in, you know, in your Jane's addictions and and all sorts of stuff like that. And then you, I remember just seeing Suede and and going to see Suede quite early on as well. And it was completely like nothing I'd seen before. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, right. So this is 
this is the closest I'm going to get to seeing Smiths on a Bowie. Like this is this is so exciting, and 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 I think it was just. It was, I don't know, it was very London. It was grimy, it was seedy, it was sexy, yeah. and it was like, wow. And I think that definitely kicked off. I mean, people talk about Blur Oasis with Britpop, and I think the seeds were sown with them, and maybe the auteurs as well, uh, early on as well. Like, yeah. they, them kind of bands. But Yeah. Suede. Oh. I, 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 Where did you see them, Stu? Where uh, did you... And obviously Bernard was on guitar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I'm at the Forum very early yeah. on. Um, where else did I see him? I actually see him uh, not that long ago. I went and saw him at um, uh, Ali Pali, and I tell you what, like I saw him a, a, quite a few years on, and and they looked like they'd fallen out of love with it a little bit. And I saw him at the Ali Pali um, in between the, the the breaks in lockdown, and I tell you what, Gary, it was like. I felt like I was 18 again. It was so yeah. exciting. They played Coming Up in Four and they played a load of other hits. And yeah. he was just, he's such a good front man. Such yeah. a good front man. And like, yeah. they were just on fire. And I think the new record. Yes, I was going to say the new so album. So exciting. Oh, yeah, they've got the bit between their teeth, mm. definitely. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, listen, I can I can echo your, your, your sentiments, you know, exactly. I mean, um, you know, I think I saw them at that pub they used to play in Hampstead. I also remember seeing them at um, Jonathan and Eco's um, Tuesday night at the Camden Palace and going with um, a a pal of mine who um, actually was working for um, Sony Music, I think, in in America at that time. And all the things that, 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 that you just said, he was, you know, you could not take your eyes off him and and you know Bernard was just you know this this amazing amazing um, you know guitarist. I mean that th- th- they looked so cool. I mean yeah, you know it, it was just real hair on the back of the neck stuff. I think I saw him. At, was it the old track in Windsor? Like I think, remember, I think I saw him yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, Stu, they were one of the first. They were they were one of the first bands that we played on that feature, the demo clash. And and, and th- this is quite funny, Stu, because even to this day, so basically the gist of, of, of the demo clash was that we would play two cassettes and then the, um, you know, the, 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 um, the, the listeners would decide which band would come back the following week. Now, of course, every band and every band's mother and father and sister and brother and friend would call in and vote for the um you know for, for, for the band to win and even to this day Stu, if i see bernard or if I, I see matt or if i see um brett the first thing they say to me 224 2000 <laughs> which was the demo clash hotline number that they had to call so I, I i saw bernard about a month or so ago at the altered images um concert and um first thing he said all right, Gary, two two four two thousand. So uh, he—that's right, because he's he's worked with Claire Grogan on that record, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. I think he's he's collaborated. He's produced about mm. two or three tracks on the new album. Yeah, wonderful. But uh, yeah, there's a band I want to talk about just briefly um, on, on the compilation, which is. Uh, and I, I used to go at my sort of local venue. Uh, if they weren't playing my place, we'd, we'd go to a place called the Y Club. Uh, and there was a promoter called John Dunn that used to put on these super exciting bands in Chelmsford. And uh, and one of those bands I got to see very early on. And 
and it blew my mind what they looked like, what they sounded like. And you've put the right track on as well. You've got Instant Repeater by the soundtrack of our lives, which yeah. that track is off the scale good. It really, and, and again, you know, we were talking about, we, we were talking about XFM a little bit earlier on. There's a whole kind of cluster of, of, of tracks, um, you know, I mean, all of these tracks, I've got memories either, you know, I would have played at GLR or I would have played at, um, at XFM. And, and, and the soundtrack um, of, 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 our, of our lives um, is one that I associate with, um, with, with um, XFM. Um, I only saw them the once. I mean, we mentioned Noel Gallagher a little bit earlier on. I, I mean, he was a massive... Yeah, he absolutely adored them. They were Swedish. Hmm. Um, and I, I I got to see them th- them once, Stu, but what a venue to see them in. And that and that was um the borderline, uh, you know, just off just off the Charing Cross Road. And 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 you know, you know when you kind of get that, you know, you, you kind of get that um that kind of moment when, you know, a band is sort of in sync with the audience and, and, you know, this energy is kind of pouring back and forwards. So I'll, I'll, I'll always, I'll always remember that. And, and as you said, it, 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 it's, it really is one of those records that is just so jaw droppingly good. Those who know, who know, know. Um, and um, it was, you know, as soon as I started thinking about this, you know, it's kind of, you know, disappeared a little bit into the mist of time. And I just thought that that's got to be on it, you know, and, and, and that it's funny, Stu, the, the company that I've, I've um, that, that's very kindly put this out together for us is a company called Wiener World. And there's a lovely lady there called Laura. And I'm not sure, you know, whether Laura's sort of knowledge of, of you know, alternative, independent music, whatever you want to call it. Is um is 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 um is 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 is, 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 is you know is too big, but I get these emails from her every now and then saying right you know um we've just had the soundtrack of our lives cleared or um you know the high or um you know definition of sound and 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 it was just they were just the best emails to kind of get really because obviously you want it to you want it to be as as uh, 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 as good as your original idea and, and honestly Stu, touch wood all of the compilations that um that, that, that i've done you know we, we haven't had to um you know put something on that that, that you know i felt oh, oh well okay you know maybe we'll put that you know it, it, it's all been stuff as i said you know with, with, with a specific memory attached to it lovely well i'm going to ask you for some memories on clubbing what's the song that soundtrack your years clubbing gary yes Okay, so so well, I, I suppose clubbing. I'm going to take you right back to um to to to, to the beginning. But do you know what, Stuart? It's not often that I I kind of play out um nowadays. But having said that, I'll do a couple of things over a year with, with some pals because it's just one way of kind of getting to see everyone in one hit. But the record that I've chosen is um, Candy Statton's Young Hearts Run Free, which um you know I've got a vivid memory of hearing for the first time in um, a youth club that we used to go to just off the Harrow Road called the Stowe Club. 
And, um, you know, not that I was a dancer or anything then, um, certainly didn't have a girlfriend, but I just absolutely loved that record. My sister had it as well. It was on the Warner Brothers, um, the old Warner Brothers label. And it's just, it's just this very nearly, you know, was my kind of opening, my favourite opening um, track as well. But I moved it down a little bit because um, it, it's just absolutely life affirming. It, it's you know, if you don't dance to this, then I think, you know, you need to kind of check your your pulse to see if you're still alive, really. It's just so feel good. Um, and um, I, I, I still drop this every time, every time I, I, I DJ. Um, normally, it, it's the first track that I play and you can almost sort of feel that sort of whoosh. In in, in in the room, you know, so... It, that's that's joy, that is. It's it joyous, is. that record. It, 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 that's the word. Yeah, definitely. And and, and do you know what, Stuart? I mean, it, it, it's one, you know, you talk about clubbing memories. So, you know, we talked a bit earlier on about getting the punk bug um, in 77. So for me, you know, the late 70s, it was kind of really about going to, 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 to gigs you know, getting that bus, the 159 as it was then, down to Oxford Street and, and, and going to, you know, the 100 Club and the Marquee and all those places, the Lyceum. But, you know, early 80s, then, you know, the kind of emphasis was basically back on the dance floor. And, 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 and um, you know, it was about going to, you know, the WAG Club and, um, and, and, and lots of other sort of clubs of, uh, of that time. The WAG always loomed large in 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 my memory i mean i i loved it there and i mean it was open for for a couple of decades and you know candy Staten, young hearts run free you would hear you know maybe steve lewis or maybe hector or somebody playing it it was it was um you know and and, and still is it's lost none of its oomph yeah it's a perfect record it really is yeah i'm gonna take you home for track six Favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Gary. Okay, so so we, 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 we've talked we've talked about this new compilation, this three CD set, Stu, indie nineties playback, and I've decided to choose again another record that takes me back to um, you know to broadcasting on GLR and also on XFM, um, a four piece from London called Silver Sun. And, um, you know, I love pop music. You know, we've, we've been talking about that, obviously, since we, um, you know, since we came on. Um, I mean, these guys were, you know, you could just tell that they were, you know, massive kind of pop pop fans. I mean, it just absolutely exudes, you know, it just pours out of everything, everything that, that they do. And um, they're one of those bands that, you know, me and Jim have this sort of chat every now and then, and I also occasionally, occasionally do it as a throwout with the radio show. Um, you know, which artists, which bands do you feel should have been bigger, should have been given more love? And these guys, you can bet your bottom dollar, always get a mention. Um, so yeah, Silver Sun. I think they went on to um, record a couple of albums. Um, you know, before imploding, I think that they would occasionally come back together again. Sadly, sadly, James, who was the, um, you know, the band's main singer and, and, and guitarist, um, very sadly passed away a few years ago. Oh, In I fact, Richard, that. yeah, Richard from the band actually reached out to me 
quite recently because they were putting together some kind of tribute night for him. But unfortunately, I was working that night and and and, and I was unable to make it. But, um, you know, we talked about um, Candy Staten and Young Hearts Run Free just being joyous. I think, you know, this for me is it, it, kind of like another interpretation of, of that word in a way really it, it, it's it, it it's it's power pop it's biting edgy power pop that um you know for me you know despite the the, the passing of time has lost none of its shine and, and again when laura would have emailed and said there we go we got we've got a couple of more tracks cleared and, and this one would have been mentioned you know i knew it was going to be a good day that day I've got quite a, a banana story about Silver Sun, Gary. Oh, go on. So I'd gone to, to to London with a couple of pals, and I phoned my pal this morning to, to cross-reference this because I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure it was Silver Sun. Uh, I went to watch this band, and, uh, and we finished the band, and we was like, right, and we, we, we were walking through, and we ended up, you mentioned the Virgin uh, Records building, so we come out of uh, the, the, by the Virgin Megastore, and they must have dropped their their album that day. And I don't know if you recall this. They spray painted three cars with the word Silver Sun and left them outside the Virgin Megastore. Just left them in the mid, like on the pavement. And we had had a couple of drinks and walked past them. And I was like, oh, Silver Sun must be doing this publicity stunt. This is like 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, and I remember my mate Steve just undoing the door and going, the keys are in it. <laughs> we drove off up Oxford Street or whatever. Is it Oxford Street, the Virgin Megastar? I think it was Oxford Street. Drove off up the road. There were three cars and we drove off up the road in, in one of the uh, the <laughs> Silver Sun's old bangers that they'd sprayed up and left outside the, the, the Virgin Megastore. It was... Uh, That's it. <laughs> it was quite, as soon as you, I see you on, on your list, it was Silver Sun. I was like, I'm sure that's what the, the, the car was that was left outside the Megastore. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, you win. You win the silver star. <laughs> yeah, that's a goodie. But again, you know, with a lot of these these kind of bands spread across this, you know, recent compilations, Joe, so many of them, you know, should have, could have been bigger, but for whatever reason, um, you know, that, that, that they weren't. So um, it's, it, yeah, it, it, it's nice just to sort of kind of put the put the spotlight back on them. It's, it's great to have Pulp on there as well. And obviously they've just announced as well that they're going to be yeah. playing some shows back together. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, my defining memory, I mean, always the first memory, you know, it, it, you know, that, that's always one that, that, that that's going to, that's going to sort of resonate. And, and um, I remember, oh God, what was the name of the guy, the plugger, um, who was looking after fires, um, fire record stuff, because that record came out on fire, if my memory serves me correctly. My legendary girlfriend we're talking about. And I just, you know, I remember hearing that and, 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 and you know, just doing that double take. It just didn't sound like anybody else at the time. And, um, you know, I, I saw that they were playing the Underworld in Camden, you know, and it was one of the best decisions that I made that year. Um, I went, I went on my own, which I'm actually pleased in hindsight that I did, because you know I didn't have a mate there or anybody sort of you know distracting me. So it was all eyes focused on you know the band, and um, you know just 
coming away sort of massively impressed. You just, I, I knew that I'd seen something very, very special. You know, you couldn't take your eyes off Jarvis. He was incredibly funny and, and droll. You know, when, when, when you've kind of been around as, as much as me, Stu, I remember, you know, that night thinking, God, he reminds me a little bit of Edwin Collins, you know, from Orange Juice. I remember seeing Orange Juice sort of uh, luckily very early doors and and Orange, uh, oh, Edwin had this kind of lovely sort of, you know, dry, lopsided take on the world and, 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 and you know, instantly kind of falling in love with that, almost as much as the songs really at that time. And, 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 and Jarvis, it was a very, very similar appeal. You know, he had this kind of dry, where he kind of pulled you in and, 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 and you know, you, you, you were sort of looking at the world through, um, you know, through, through his glasses, really. And, um, you know, there was, it, it, I reckon it was probably about a third, half four or something that night. But, um, you know, listen, you would have seen it. You know, your listeners would have seen it. Um, you know, every now and then you see something, um, you know, and you just know. This is something a little bit, you know, whatever it is, what you want to call it, they've got it. I mean, of course, you know, they, they would have already been around for 10 years. Yeah, of course. Pre previous to that, uh, that that time that I saw them in the early 90s. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that track just had this kind of lovely sort of scuzzy kind of Barry White sort of vibe to it, um, really. And, 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 and it's only kind of recently that, that you know, I know that, you know, when they first started doing this song, I think Barry White was somewhere within the title of the song before, uh, you know, because of the feel of the song. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, a, you know, fa fantastic track. And the way that it builds as well is just absolutely just builds to this, you know, kind of wonderful sort of epic. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm, I'm having such a lovely time talking about music. And you, 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 you mentioned him earlier. Um, he's, he's been on the podcast twice. He's, a, he's a, such a lovely guy. You're going to be talking music with the uh, delightful John Kennedy, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, that's um, that, that, that's actually happening th th this Sunday afternoon. And um, I messaged him yesterday, Stu, and um, because originally I was going to jump up on stage and, and 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 you know play some tracks and you know sort of talk about the memories that they ignited. And then I thought, do you know what? Just get John up. Let, let's do it like a radio program. And um, I've always been a big fan of his. And and. You know, if anyone has kind of got that sort of mantle that that Peely had and that influence, you know, I think John's got to be got to be right up there. I love his enthusiasm. Um, you know, his his knowledge. Um, you know, certainly blows mine. You know, many people's out of the water, but like I said, most importantly, that that kind of passion. And um, yeah, just been listening to him. You know. Really, since you know the the I mean, my first memory of hearing John Tony Smith, who I mentioned a little bit earlier on, Stu, who was my producer. Tony was doing bits and pieces, presenting bits and pieces for Q102, and he would kind of occasionally sort of slip me a cassette and say, "Oh, you should listen to this," you know. And 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 of course, Q102 subsequently evolved into XFM, and um and 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 John you know, would have been one of the presenters on that. I think I've got that right. And, um, you know, just, just love that, that, that kind of, um, you know, that, that, that passion. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing 
his radio memories, you know, his stories, um, you know, his favourite interviewees, you know, maybe the ones that weren't so good, um, you know, and just getting the the, the kind of the, the music bug, really. So, yeah, Stroll on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. Wonderful. Well, you get to do now what you've you've done for the last God knows how many years now, Gary. You get to be a tastemaker and an influencer, the kids call it now. And uh, and I'm going to ask you to recommend uh, a track that you think our listeners may not have heard that you'd like them to hear. Well, I hope I've got this this right with, with, with this choice because this album came out about sort of just under 10 years ago. And um, it, it, it's an album that, um, you know, takes me back to a good time in, in, in my life, um, you know, seeing this beautiful girl at the time who, 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 who's, who's still a funny as anything she's a Geordie and um, still a really really good pal and um, this album reminds me of driving over to see her in southwest London and um, you know playing it summer into winter and it's still an album that, that, that I still love to um, to play you know at least three four times a year i'm talking about a band called um cashier number nine um who were a belfast band um made two albums uh i think i'm right in saying this first album though this is the album that that i always say to people um you know if we're talking music have you heard this album to the death of fun is the title of the um of the album um um, and and um, yeah, some people have heard it. You know, a lot of people haven't. But it's just, you know, absolutely kind of life affirming. Really, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to sort of think the best way to kind of describe it. I mean, if you can imagine, I don't know, the birds kind of in a garage with the stone roses, and they are produced. They were produced by David Holmes, who, who who's you know touch some some fantastic music over the years then um you know who knows it it, it might come out sounding like cashier number nine i mean it, it, it honestly i think there's about 11 songs on there Stu, and and everyone everyone is an absolute corker so um you know it's got lots of different sort of shades um and you know different moods as well but um yeah I love it. I listened to it again a couple of days ago and, um, you know, it was just reminded of, of, of its brilliance. So if you haven't heard it, you might have done, but if you haven't heard it, if you get an hour in your day, cashier number nines to the death of fun is right up there as far as I'm concerned. Gary, we make it really easy for people to listen to it because we put together a little Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all your choices and, uh, and some of the other songs that we've, 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 we've spoken about today. We'll throw them all on there so people can go and, and have a good listen. And if people want to go and listen to the new compilation or the previous compilations, how do they do that? Well, I mean, you know, obviously Amazon is, 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 um, is the easy one, amazon.co.uk, but, you know, Obviously, um, you know, if you can support your your local music emporium, you know, that that is so important. Um, you know, I'd like to sort of think that, you know, that they would be available there as well. Lovely stuff. Gary, I knew this was going to be a lot of fun. Honestly, I mate, really thanks so you. much. Honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you um, asking me. And um, if I have any ideas of, of anyone who I think might be a good guest 
for you. Is it okay if I pass on your details? That would be absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. There you go, Gary Crowley. Ah, box ticked. That was absolutely wonderful. I had to get the little fanboy bit out at the beginning that, you know, when I went to XFM, it was so exciting and, 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 you know, as much as it, it's so weird now, you think like I really weren't that fussed about playing my demo to uh, that bloke called Ricky Gervais because he wasn't this mega superstar he is now. Uh, I was so much more worried about seeing if Gary Crowley's foot was going to stop tapping to uh, to my demo, uh, and it didn't. So uh, I always knew he was going to be all right, and he was. He was absolutely delightful oh, it was just I'm, I'm buzzing I've just finished the episode and, uh, and I'm absolutely buzzing um, absolute top bloke um, go check out the compilation Gary Crowley's Indie 90s playback classics curveballs and bangers a selection of 52 indie tracks from the 1990s and there's some absolute crackers on there and uh, you heard me mention the soundtrack of our life we spoke about Silver Sun Let's just uh, tell you a few more. And the Wonder Stuff, I wish, I wish Away, which is my favourite Wonder Stuff single as well. Sunshine Smile by Adorable. Oh, my God, what a track. Lovebirds by Dodgy. She's a, oh, she's a Rainbow by World of Twist. And it's the Right Foot Yellow Mix, which is the one. That is the one you need. Um, got some great American artists on there as well. You've got Luscious Jackson with Naked Eye. Uh, and Soundtrack of Our Lives, as I mentioned. And what's the other American act I saw on there? Drop 19s with Winona. Oh, amazing. If you get a chance, check out their cover of Mandy by Barry Manilow. That's really good. Um, oh, there's so much good stuff on this record. Um, go check it out. I'm back next time. Thanks again to Gary. Thanks again to you a lot for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>